Hey, this is Mike Patterson, your host for Embrace Growth. This is a podcast dedicated to personal growth and empowered choices. Helping to create change and transformation in your life and the world. Today on the podcast, I speak with Dr. Phil Lyle from British Columbia. Dr. Phil has been on the show before. This week we're talking about values. What are values? Why are they important? This is a conversation that stems back millennia. And we aren't the first person to have this conversation, but we do uncover some things that you might not have thought about when considering what you value in life. Pretty interesting conversation, and it leads to some pretty good personal growth work. Stick around. Hey, Phil, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Everybody, today I'm speaking with Dr. Phil Lyle from British Columbia, Canada. He's been on the show before, but it's been almost a year. Welcome back, Phil. We're glad to have you. Tell the listeners a little bit about you. Wow, a year. How did that happen? Um, I I am a chiropractor. I live up in Canada in British Columbia. Uh, I got involved in um, shadow work, I guess is the best way to describe it with the uh, mankind project some almost 20 years ago now. And it's been an incredible journey. Uh, and I'm excited this morning, uh, cause the journey just continues. Uh, the work that I got involved with 20 years ago was, you know, entry level stuff. I got to scratch at some of the surface of who I am and dig in quite a bit deeper as to what truly is the essence of me. And, you know, there are times I thought that, the, that I'd done the work, but I'm realizing there is just so much more to uncover. And uh, I'm excited for that journey. Excited to go on that journey with you today, Mike. Nice. Also, everybody, Phil and I sit regularly once a week in a men's support circle. So we are here to support one another. And we have really profound conversations uh, in and outside of group one of the conversations we started to have was about values. I talk with clients constantly about values. And and then when Phil and I had to talk in, it went pretty deep of like, wait, what are we actually talking about here? And what are values? And that's where we're going today is to just have a pretty deep conversation about values. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm sensing already, I just want to launch off and start talking about it, but we're really going to have to define some of these terms like value, uh, get an idea of what we're talking about, you and I, so that also the listeners can be on board with what we're talking about, because there's a lot of conflicting words out there uh, with, with this conversation. And maybe not conflicting, but confusion anyway. The Oxford English Dictionary actually defines values It says values are principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important. That's Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah. And so what what immediately hits me when I hear that definition is that that starts to get confused with morals. 
because uh, there's a good and a bad uh, kind of essence in that definition and or right and wrong in that definition. And that sometimes can lead me to choose to take on values that I hope are going to be seen as good. Mm. And there may be some values that aren't seen that way in this society and certainly by me as well. And yet they're still there hiding, lurking below the surface. Yeah. And we're going to get into some of that. We're going to get into it. <laughs> so how we want to, Dr. Phil and I, how we're going to define values for the purposes of this conversation is a way of being or believing that we hold most important. And we'll continue to remind you listeners that definition throughout the show, but it's a way of being or believing that we hold most important. Yeah. And that's great because being and believing are two very distinctly different things. And I think that will hit on that point that I just brought up around uh, believing a value is one thing and I'll hold stuff up that I think to be true with those beliefs based on a lot of my biography and I'll, I'll use that word a lot biography in other words the story of my life and there's even some biology in here as well because there's something genetic that predisposes me to value certain things but i think that that definition will help us to define um, how i act in the world and how that may help me to uncover what it is that I'm also valuing that may not be something I want to admit to myself to hold as my belief. And we'll get into that. Yeah. It's already getting pretty deep. <laughs> and it, well, it's so funny how, okay, just before we hit record, Phil and I were talking about how this is so ancient. Like this conversation goes back eons and it's really a philosophical conversations. And yet it's, so present today with personal growth work, because I, I know one of the first questions I ask within my, with, with clients is, you know, for them to define their values. And what I used to do before Phil and I started having this conversation was I would have them take a piece of paper and just start journaling, you know, write down all of the values that they could think of. And it would usually fill up a piece of paper pretty quick. And then I would have them start circling like the top 10 and take their top 10 and list them in order of importance. And that was just a process that I would do with clients within the first month of working with them. Once Phil and I started talking about this, what I realized was that's some bullshit that Anybody, myself included, would be circling the things that I wanted people to think. These, this is what's most important for me. And so, Phil, as we go through this, the new terms that I'm going to throw out for the listeners are inherited values and elusive values. Yeah, I love that. That's it's a great, helpful distinction. Um, because yeah, if I, if I was to write my list of, uh, values and circle the top five, let's say, um, there's going to be a lot of should in that. I should believe that honesty is the best policy. And I should believe that, um, kindness and caring and helping others 
is the best policy. And those are great values. I'm not uh, diminishing them in any way. But there are times in my life where those values can get subverted. They can be overridden by other values, especially depending on what's happening in my life. My first kind of awareness of this being maybe an even more important issue was, you know, in the Mankind Training um, uh, MKP, we, uh, one of the first processes we run um, men through on a weekend training, I'm a co-leader, so are you, Mike, on the Mankind Project training weekends. And one of the first processes we run participants through is a, is a process called accountability. Men will come in and they'll say, I made this uh, such and such an agreement and they've broken it. And we, and we run them through the power of making and keeping agreements and what we do when we break agreements. But what I noticed this last few times that I've done it is that we'll often uphold the first agreement. So I made an agreement with my partner that we would go out and, and, uh, and be together on a Friday night. But another value sneaks in and I break the agreement and I spend uh, the afternoon playing chess on the computer or something. And we would, the guys like that would come in with that kind of scenario. And I know I've done this where I would uphold the first value of relationship, intimacy, connection, love, more so than I would uphold the second value, which might be something like what? Ch playing chess might be something like um, relaxation, self-care. Uh, what's the word that Tony Robbins uses? Certainty. Yes. You know, and knowing that I can take care of my pain and pleasure in this world, that I, can, I have the power to, uh, of control over that path. And that might be at the core of spending some time by myself playing chess on the computer. But I remember doing this with some of the participants where, where I would downgrade that value and uphold the value of connection with partner. And, and we would um, hit at these uh, men in general to get them to kind of reassert the power of the first value and deny that there was any power in the second value. We'd, we'd kind of override the chess as being important in any way. Yeah, and that's what we're doing right now is we're trying to tease out this idea of inherited values versus elusive values because they both have value. And one might be more important in the moment, but right there, just the example you gave, Phil, you were bringing in kind of these moral ideas of right, wrong, good, and bad. Exactly. And the inherited idea that playing chess by yourself online is a bad. It's selfish. You know, we, we actually come up with terms uh, and, and create a negative value out of these things. That's selfish behavior. That's uh, maybe it's narcissistic behavior. You know, whatever the term is, we can easily downgrade those other values that may play an important part in me feeling like I'm worthy in this world. Yeah. That I, that I have meaning in this world. Yeah. Another example that comes to my mind is that when somebody, and I'll just, you know, hypothetically say a client says that, yes, honesty is like their one of their top five values. The reality of it is, as I get to know them and we're working through some issues and stuff, 
to realize that they really withhold telling their truth, that they might even lie. It's not even just withholding, but it's lying. Then if we were to dig into the elusive, like to look at their actual behavior, that maybe they value privacy more than honesty and privacy didn't even make their list. Yeah. And though that's what we're that's what we're getting at people is we're talking about these elusive things that we need to take a look at our way of being our actions and that's going to point to our values that we might not even think make the list. Yeah, there, I mean that's another great example that that um I may not want to tell you if I, if I was in, I am in a relationship with you and there are times where I think I'd love to tell you a deeper truth and I do do that. And there are other times where I might hold back because the value of agreeableness and peacefulness might override me taking the risk and telling you something that I think might be disagreeable and might create conflict between us. So I'll hold back my truth, which in essence is a dishonesty. And so I'm, up, I'm changing how I'm upholding the one value as I uh, dance and play with the other value of agreeableness and peacefulness. You know, I just think about <laughs> that that value might be a little bit more coveted in Canada than it is in <laughs> I think I think you might be right. I think it might also be, and perhaps if we were looking at the energies of countries, I think Canada probably is a little more of a feminine energy. There is an agreeableness to um, uh, to Canadians. It's, it's certainly something Canadians uphold as, as a high value. Agreeableness, democracy, you know, politically, we have, uh, Canadians have played that kind of role on the world stage. Whereas I don't think Americans have as much. There's been much more of a, uh, assertiveness and a focus on other values, uh, protection, security, perhaps, you know, equally good, valid values, but we're upholding different values. And that, that's it's true for me. I think I, I do represent some of that Canadian ethic. Well, th so there's another word. Yeah. Ethic comes into this all as well. And, and that's uh, an, an age old study of right and wrong. Um, and it's tough to, I, I, we'll, we'll leave that one off the table because it'll just, I think, confuse things more than anything. Well, since you did bring it up that yes, for, for any of the listeners that, because Phil and I have had this conversation <laughs> at this point way too many times, but what really gets intermixed in with values are needs, whether we're talking about Tony Robbins, six human needs, or if we're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or like you said, ethics, there's a lot of stuff that's all encompassing here, but we're going to keep this really on values. And it's that way of being or believing that we hold most important. Yeah. And, I, and I'd like to insert in there that we can talk about needs kind of like they're, they're essential values. Like they are, they are true, um, bare bones, life and death kinds of things, oxygen, water, food, warmth, shelter. And then slightly up from there, we're kind of getting into Maslow, is um, the starting to have some need for relationship or, or a, an essential value that I be in relationship. And that's, that's powerful. 
And even though it doesn't seem to be life and death on the, on the, on the, on the, in the face of it, it is life or death. Yeah, or safety uh, values. We'll value safety at some level. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking more. So coming up one level from safety into something like love, we know that children uh, who are denied touch will start to fail to thrive. So it becomes life and death, even though it's not food, shelter, warmth, oxygen, it can very quickly become uh, a life and death issue. So there's, 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 there's kind of these levels that I'd like to describe them as, as essential values. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of the higher level values that we uphold, things like self-actualization, uh, where I, I become, I begin to um, humanate essentially by, by upholding much larger values of integrity, of service, of um, feeling like I am in mission, in service to the world. And those maybe aren't as life and death, but um, um, so that's how I'd like to keep it clean in my mind as to uh, the needs um, and how they relate to essential values. Awesome. And just also, as the listeners are wrapping their head around this conversation, think about inherited values. And like Phil said, the shoulds in your life, these morals what did you learn that you should do? What do you tell yourself now that you should do? And where did you learn this? Was it from the culture at large, your parents, teachers, maybe faith, coaches, etc.? But to think about those values that were handed down to you. Yeah, I, so uh, I'm glad you uh, uh, mentioned the church um, because religions, in many forms, do insert a lot of our values. And I, you know, I think of uh, the, the the one that's top of my mind uh, is "Thou shalt not kill." And yet, um, what a great value! Absolutely stunning value. It creates um, security, creates safety in the world. It uh, it does so much for us. To uphold that um, as a as a strong value, and yet it um, can change in war. Mm-hmm. It can change in times of starvation. It can change when someone comes into my home in the middle of the night with a weapon and threatens uh, my family. I am a person that strongly values nonviolence. But if you were to come into my home at 3 a.m. with a weapon threatening my family, I'm going to very quickly change that value. I'm not going to uphold that nonviolence um, uh, value as strongly as someone like perhaps Mahatma Gandhi might. Um, I might switch to being fairly violent, in fact, almost willing to kill. I, I would say I would be willing to kill in the middle of the night, given that situation. Yeah, well said, but these ideas of whatever we hold most important, they do ebb and flow. They fluctuate depending on the situation. I like how you laid out these essentials, food, water, shelter, love, et cetera, that as those become less in our lives, our values will change. I think we've seen that throughout history that in times of scarcity, within the world, we see the cultures change. 
right now we're in a place of abundance if we want to look at just the history of of humankind and we're able to hold values in a different way a totally different way and it, and it and i realize it also disconnects me from some of the people that don't have the same level of abundance or security you know when i walk past someone on the streets who is homeless it's hard for me to connect with um that they may have a value to steal to get food. They might be upholding the value of of nutrition and doing something that I don't uphold as a value like stealing. Mm. It's hard for me to um, accept that given the level of, of abundance that I have in my life and the higher values I'm able to uphold because of that abundance. Yeah, and our values also lead us to greatness. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum, right? That mm-hmm. those that are just amazing, well, just creating change on our planet and in our world or even in your own life, for those of you listening, it's your values that create that change. I got a quote here from Brene Brown that she says, more Often than not, our values lead us to the arena door. We're willing to do something uncomfortable and daring because of our beliefs. And when we can't can't get there and we stumble and fall, we need our values to remind us why we went in in the first place. And, And I really like that visual of stumbling and falling, but we're through the door, right? But it's really our values that are going to take us to the top or con- continue to keep us on the path. And I know that for me as a, a leadership coach, it's so huge for me to rely on my values when in the face of, wait a minute, what am I doing? You know, and somebody challenges me. I'm like, oh, wait, why am I here in the first place? Oh, yeah, it's because of my values. I, I like that you said that values is important there too. And I love the, um, the image of uh, the arena door um, because uh, I have many values. I don't just have one. I'm sure that most people realize they have many values, but the, the one value um, that might keep me away from the arena door is the value uh, for certainty, you know, and safety and security and comfort and peace. I might just sit in my, in my comfy lazy boy chair um, and avoid the arena door. But there's another value, and that's the value for a variety, for adventure, for challenge that takes me to the arena door. And so when I'm standing in front of the arena door, wondering, what am I doing here? I should be my lazy boy. There's another value that's, that's challenging me to open the door and get into the game. Uh, and that's exciting. I think that having more than uh, one value at play at any given time keeps me moving and feeling like I'm doing something important uh, in this world. Yeah. I like that you brought up the, the certainty piece and the comfort and all of that. I know just this last week I was working with a client and we were digging into some, some pretty deep life stuff and looking at what gets in the way and this and that. And so what this client realized is like, yeah, you know, I should be going for this, like this, really meaningful life. And then when we started breaking it down as to why 
he wasn't already going there. The reality of it is, is because if he did, the cost might be he doesn't get to hang out with his kids as much. He doesn't get to do all of these things that he really enjoys in life. So we have to look at both sides of that and figure out the balance. So now this conversation, Phil, we're getting into the elusive side of things, those elusive values. Yeah. I, uh, just before we go there, I, I was on a, a training this past weekend, um, or this past week, it was on, uh, on Zoom. So we, we played it out over a week um, called the, um, the GIFT, the Gender Inclusive uh, Facilitation Training. And at one point, I found myself speaking in front of this audience and uh, taking a few pot shots, as leaders do on trainings, and wondering to myself, this kind of hurts. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, again, that value of, of uh, certainty would, would have me just step back and step down and not do this anymore. But the, the value of, of, um, of adventure and challenge has me in front um, wanting to learn and wanting to grow and wanting to be better uh, next year and, and all of those great things. And uh, I had to realize that because I kind of forgotten about those two values and, and how they drive me in my life and how they make for greatness in my life, in my own everyday hero kind of way. So can you share a little bit more of the story of well, you're taking some pop shots? So, so what happened? Well, so um, another value that I inherited in my family of origin, um, smarts, and that's, I think that's certainty in a way as well. You know, I'm smart enough to create uh, pleasure and avoid pain in my life. So there's certainty in being smart is what I grew up uh, and learned in my family of origin. And it also, uh, the smarter I was, it seemed to me that the more love I would obtain. Mm. And so I've, I've uh, done a lot with, um, you know, trying to be the smartest guy in the room, the smartest human in the room, in the case of a gender inclusive training. And, um, and what I found was that that value of certainty, I was feeling a little uneasy about leading this training. It was out of my comfort zone to be leading a mixed gender group. And uh, these, these pot shots, a few people, women in particular, um, questioning me about certain things and how I had presented it, had me feeling a little unsure about myself. And so my behavior changed uh, back to the authoritarian, the assertive, uh, I'm smarter than you are kind of BS. Were you protecting yourself? I was protecting myself. There's the value. And there's the sneaky behavior, the shadowy behavior as well, that doesn't really serve the other value. And the other value was the value of adventure, challenge, uh, new excitement. And that's, that's learning how to be a leader in a training that is a little uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And that that value would have been better served by, by taking a deep breath and saying, huh, what an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. You know, that more humble, open to, um, to difference, open to change, adaptive, all of those behaviors that I think would have better served me in that moment were being pushed down by the shadow uh, reaction to become the smartest human in the room and, 
and assert myself over, over top of um, a woman in this case. Yeah. And so as you're protecting your ego there, this is a great example as we talk about elusive values is that the elusive values, they're elusive. But if we really look at and examine our behaviors, our way of being, our actions, that's when those come out. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the, the exact behaviors that I didn't want were, uh, were up and at play. And they, if I'd taken that moment, and I did uh, eventually, but it took longer than I would have desired, um, uh, took a deep breath and looked at what I was uh, engaging in and, and realized that that's, that's not what I wanted to, to be upholding as the value in that moment. And so they, it gives me an idea of those behaviors, if I look at them in the moment and also how they fill my days, give me a real clear indicator of what is it that I'm truly valuing? Yeah. I think this is so huge because if you're a regular listener to the show, a few podcasts back a couple months ago, I interviewed Tony Wilkinson, which Phil knows, and we were talking about shadow, the parts of myself that I don't want to look at, that I hide, repress, or deny. And what's amazing about now where we're going with this conversation about values is if we figure out the value in the shadow, I think it's a whole lot better way to examine it and understand why that belief is there in the first place. Yeah, uh, you know, that's what I'm starting to come to as well, that it, um, you know, my beliefs um, can very often create my emotions. It may be that they always create my emotions, you know. So if I believe that I have a shameful belief that I'm somehow not enough, then I might boot up um, anger, I might boot up uh, shame, uh, fear, all kinds of things might spring out of that belief. And that belief of not enough is also strongly rooted in a value. In my case, as I explained earlier, um, the value is smartness, being able to control um, pain and pleasure in my life. Well, if I'm not feeling enough, then I'm not matching up to that value of the smartest guy in the room, let's say. So yeah, these values, I think, might be at the core of shadowy behaviors and shadowy beliefs. Mm. Whether I'm up, upholding and living up to them or whether I'm holding them true when they really aren't true for me, maybe I'm upholding a value that somebody else said you should be and it really isn't something I ever have committed to and chosen that that's going to be my value as well. Yeah. So I'm starting to look at those, uh, the shadow, uh, the shadow may, I hate to, I, I, you know, I have to read some Carl Jung and see what, see what he eventually came to in the later stages of his life. Cause I'd, I'd hate to ever conflict with what he believed, but I, I, I'm starting to believe that values is at the core of shadow. And if you do disagree with, with Carl, <laughs> well, so you value, I totally value Carl Jung. So the immediate response would be, who are you, Phil Lyle, to, to even question Carl Jung? Uh, yeah, it would be a tough thing to, uh, uh, to want to disagree with anything that he said, because he seemed like such a powerful thinker in this world. Mm, yeah. So 
Other things that I believe about values is that, and I said it before when we were talking about Brene, is that our values will lead us to what we want to do in life, hopefully. So that if we really examine our values, it, it'll point us towards what we want to do or not do. You know, the, the staggering statistics of how many people do something for a living that they don't want to do is amazing to me. And as we investigate ourselves, self-understanding is, is such a huge piece. So as you listeners look at your values, hopefully it's going to lead you to what you want to be doing in your lives. And, you know, if, if we're willing to do something uncomfortable and, and courageous, then hopefully our values are going to lead us to greater, better things for ourselves and the rest of humanity. Yeah, you know, um, so uh, what comes up for me when you say that is that um, I came out of a process um, with a mission. And what I realized uh, recently was that mission serves some values. It might even just serve one value. So my mission is um, I nourish love by being an ally for safe space. And what I can probably say is that, again, um, serves the value of, um, well, it's certainty, and, and, and it also serves the value of uh, connection. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what I realized is there, there are, we humans have probably, I don't know if it's six or eight or 12, but there's some, some pretty core values that almost all of us uphold. Mm-hmm. And each and every one of them uh, might have a slightly different mission. And so if I look at each of those values and wrote a mission statement for each of those values, it might actually open up a whole nother part of, of my world uh, that could be very exciting and, and, and very rewarding. Um, as an example, so if I, have a, if I look at the, the, the value of uh, variety, uh, the need for change and challenge, if I wrote a mission statement for the, the need for change and challenge, uh, I create a world of change and challenge by being open to new possibilities might be a, might be a mission statement for that. That's nowhere in, that's nowhere in my core mission statement. Right. But as you look at that and say, all right, how, where, where am I not open? Where am I closed down? And how can I lean into this value of variety that I want to, cultivate and it's as simple as being open more than i'm closed to an idea to a belief to something new whatever it is yeah and and i may not be it may be one of those uh say let's say there's 10 core values that almost every one of us uh holds in community with one another as humans uh 10 core values i may i might have put that one way on the back shelf somewhere and I'm not even giving any attention to it or haven't been up until this point in my life. What a great way to look at where I'm going and what I'm doing in this life and who I am in this life by um, encouraging an awareness and an, an, and, and an introspection into those other values that just may not have seen the light of day. They may have been pushed down even. Somebody else, well, but that's a classic. My mom was 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 definitely not all about adventure. She 
very clearly stated on a number of occasions that that was just too scary. So, uh, you know, I may have been pushing that one down in my life. I haven't looked at it in, in, in great detail yet, but I'm starting to realize that those other values almost need their own bit of a mission statement to see if they are important to me. Are they coming through in my day in what I do, or am I just upholding them as a loose statement somewhere in my life that never gets the, the light of day? Yeah, I like what you're saying. And and that's that's a real practical thing too for somebody that might want to lean into certain values more. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody out there that's like, man, I'm just such a horrible parent. I don't spend that much time with my kids and they value their kids, then what you're saying is create a mission statement around that around that value and it'll help you unpack or look at it a little clearer yeah it'd be similar to um probably a lot of uh you and 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 a lot of your listeners might have done uh what are they called those uh uh, kind of wheel of life um exercises where you look at your physical um uh how you're how you're attending to your physical needs in the world you look at your financial needs you look at your um, relationship needs, spiritual needs, and you kind of assess how that wheel, is it a full round wheel or does it have some significant uh, spots that are lacking? And I think the same can be done with values. Yeah, there, there are certain values <clears throat> that are easy to uphold and to follow through with, and there's some other ones that are, that are a great big hole where the spoke is missing in the wheel. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's by design or, or maybe it's by default. I like what you're saying. I, cause for myself as a dyslexic person, I, I love visuals that I can see. And I use the wheel of life quite often as a tool for my own life as well as clients. And so a, a wheel of values that could be a game show too. wheel it could be. <laughs> values. And, <laughs> but I, I like what you're saying though, that to, to just take a look at the balance in one's life or if, I mean, there's a value right there to look at balance in my life because I value balance. Now I want to I, I, I want to ping back on these elusive values. And for myself, and hopefully for a lot of the listeners, if you're not doing your personal growth work with a friend or in a group, I would highly recommend that personal growth work works a lot better if there's somebody there's able to keep an eye on you and hold you accountable and stuff that way. But as far as these elusive values, I know I need guys like you, Phil, and other guys that are in our group to see the things that I'm not seeing within myself to help me be aware of these elusive values based on my way of being, my actions in the world. And then say, well, we notice you're doing a lot of that. So what value are you getting in there? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Because it is tough for me to notice what I'm doing a lot of. It's tough for me to see from inside of myself what it, how what others are seeing uh, with qu- good clarity. You know, um, if you want to find out what, you, uh, what you're upholding, ask someone uh, who's close to you. And I think they'll probably have a a good idea as to what you are or are not upholding. So, yeah, I think it was you that uh, said, um, 
take a look at what you're doing in your life um, as an average day or an average week or an average year for that matter. Uh, where are you spending your time? What are you doing with your days? And then being able to look at what's the, uh, the value that you're upholding behind that behavior. And yeah, others are absolutely vital and important to, to, to uncovering that. Others will see where you are spending a lot of your time. I didn't realize this on the, this past weekend, this training that I was talking about. I've never considered myself that much of an extrovert. And I've never considered myself a blabbermouth. But I was helped <laughs> by others on the training to see how much I talk and talk beyond my time allotment. And I would have never been aware of that. I just, I just have always held that I'm a, a, a shy, introverted individual, and I don't blab on for uh, for long periods of time. But it turns out I'm not in front of uh, of uh, at the front of a training. So yeah, absolutely vital to to check in with your closest people and find out the the truth that you may not be seeing in how you show up in the world. You know, one of the, the processes that I used to do in a primary integration training that we would do with, with men is I would hand out uh, a note card. Everybody gets a note card and they would write number one through five on each side of the note card. And on the one side of the note card, I would have them write down the top five. And I wouldn't even use the word value. I'd say, write down the top five most important things in your life. And, and, you know, guys would write down like family and faith and, you know, maybe, maybe they would write down work, but they would write down what was important to them. And then after they had that down, I would have them flip over the card and then say, okay, now I want you to write down the top five things in order that you spend your time doing. And as soon as I would say that, you, you would just hear guys going, ah, you know, because it was just a slap in the face of how incongruent, you know, their lives were that they would say like their family's the most important thing. And then, you know, some of the things that they were doing had nothing to do with their family, had nothing to do with the things that they said were important. And it's a great process to look at these elusive values. Yeah. And, and, and we're coming back a little bit to the beginning, which is great because these points, I need to reconfirm them in my own mind's eye. But that is that the values that I've learned, the values that I took on from um, parents and teachers and television promote certain things that I should uphold, mm -hmm. like kindness and caring with family and, and, and demote things that I'm not sure why they became like self-care just has become such a, a negative entity in, in, in our culture. I, I would say North American culture, you know, the, the act of uh, for women, especially, you know, that they, they, there's a biological imperative for women to engage with other humans. It's more so than men. That's that there is some um, studies and research that solidly show shows that. Women are much more interested in relationships with other humans for the betterment of mankind. And men biologically are more interested in interaction with the physical world to, for the betterment of mankind. So you see men uh, drifting towards the trades where they move and manipulate physical material objects 
for the betterment of mankind. They build things. They'll, um, you know, plumbers, um, uh, machinists, millwrights, etc. And women are drawn more to the social uh, professions: uh, social workers, uh, medical doctors, uh, uh, caretakers, uh, family, uh, uh, taking care of children. And um, but we demote in society some of those things like self care. Yeah. And, and so women can feel like at the end of the day, there, there may be five minutes left, but there's someone else that's still requiring their attention, a child or a husband or a, or a parent, and they're drawn to take care of them and almost feel some shame, can potentially feel some shame around um, sitting down to a nice cup of tea or something of that nature and taking care of, of themselves. And I know I've felt that as well. That selfish word is out there. Um, demoting the value of self-care, self-nurturance. Yeah, so this all really needs some investigation for each and every one of us to look at this idea of what we've inherited and if I didn't inherit the value of self-care, that I was told that it was selfish, that I was told that I should be helping somebody else rather than helping myself, right? Service before self and those kinds of values that I I know are still present in the military, et cetera, that if those values, and again, Phil and I are not here to tell you right, wrong, good, or bad. We're just here to say investigate. And if through your investigation, you realize, oh, yes, I was – I inherited this value and I'm finding that I elusively do this value. It's not about good, bad, right, or wrong, but to look at what the value is, what's being served and why you're doing it. Making it conscious. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not about me or you telling people what to value. That's not it at all. I'm not trying to moralize and suggest that one's better than the other. But if I have service, in service to others, in conflict with in service to self, and I'm not aware of the balance or imbalance and how that balance or imbalance is serving me, becoming the human that I want to be, then that's a place for some significant what attention and introspection and determining what is what is true for me and what am I serving that I that I learned was true or should be true for me yeah should be should be true Um, because that's where some of these wacky behaviors will come from when I'm trying to serve something that's a should rather than consciously um, giving attention to things that are actually really important to me that I really do that I really do value. So Phil, let's just let's go there then. And if you've inherited this idea of it's selfish to to take care of yourself, then how much is that unconsciously? Are you able to even sit down with the cup of tea and enjoy it? Right? Like think about sitting down with a cup of tea practicing some self-care and then shooting yourself. Oh, immediately the voice is going to come up, isn't it? Get up, you lazy slob. Get a move on. Do something. Go places. See someone. Yeah, the the voices are just going to start to interrupt that 
pleasant moment. Exactly. Who am I to with a cup of tea and take time? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very difficult to engage in that nice, peaceful moment if I don't, if I'm not even aware of the shoulds and the value imbalance that I've created for myself in my life without without proper attention. Yeah. All right. Well, we've taken this conversation in, into a, a few different places. Is there a way that we can concisely recap for the listeners what the takeaway on values is? Wow. Yeah. Tough. Um, but what I, what comes up for me right in this moment is um, take a look at those values. Start with that exercise that you described, whether it's five or 10, take a look at what you uphold in your mind and ask yourself of each of those 10 that you write down. So for me, some of them are peacefulness, ease, service. These are some of the values that when I'm asked, I'll come to in my mind's eye, um, safety, security, connection. And the question might be, why do you value these things? Mm. And, and sit down and with, maybe with another even, maybe not even by yourself, but sit down with another and, and ask those questions. Why is that important to me? And after you keep questioning that, you may find um, that there's actually a who that said that was important to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, the who might be mom or dad or uh, the priest, or the rabbi. Um, and then there might be this place that evolves from that of making a conscious decision that I'm choosing to make that important to me. And that's, I think that's the key, is, is getting some awareness and making the choice of what's going to be important to you in your life. Yeah, I like what you're saying, that you know, this self-inquiry, because it's not that the value suddenly doesn't have value because it came from mom or from my third grade teacher. It's that I might in my mind be telling myself that it holds more value than it actually plays into my way of being. And for me to investigate what value I'm holding more important and this really helps unpack a lot of that shadow stuff too yeah it may also hold a whole different way of being with the value as well if i should work hard all day long and make a certain amount of money to provide for my family if i'm still treating that as a should i can be in a very victimy place in my job all day long thinking that I can't change anything, thinking that uh, I'm hopeless in this job. I just got to withstand it and make the money. And, and Versus if I switch to choosing that as my value and I'm doing it by choice, then I can do a bunch of stuff in my work and I will do a bunch of stuff in my work. And I'm, and I'm left more, way more hopeless and, I'm sorry, hopeful and empowered than I may be when I'm still considering it or treating it as, as a should value. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Man, it's good stuff. Well, I feel like I'm at the beginning. I'm at the doorway right now of this conversation. And I'm glad we're having this conversation. I I am too. I so, so uh, I'm aligned with you there. It's such a, a thousands of year old conversation that I didn't realize we were engaging in. I thought we were just going to have a, a, a lovely little conversation over tea about values, but man, it is way bigger than that. Um, but one thing that did come into my mind's eye, you, you're familiar with Viktor Frankl, I'm, I'm sure. Viktor Frankl um, is a famous psychiatrist. He was a student of Freud. He was interned in the concentration camps in uh, World War II. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Very cool book. And um, his observations in the concentration camps was some people survive. And it's not just random circumstance. There are things about these people that make them survivors. And the one thing that he noticed was um, the survivors maintained the value of freedom, uh, freedom of choice. They maintained their ability to, no matter what kind of inhumane circumstances they were subjected to, starvation, torture, beatings, seeing loved ones die, just absolutely uh, inhumane circumstances, those that survived were able to still choose how they were going to perceive this situation for themselves. And they, they maintained hope and they maintained that power over choice. And they uh, seemed to do much better than those that uh, sank into helplessness of I can't and there's nothing I can do here. Um, and at the, the core of all that is values. It's life or death in that sense. You know, if I value uh, in one circumstance, um, one of these um, internees decided I'm going to remember the face of that guard that's doing these things to me, and I'm going to bring justice to that guard. And that gave them hope and, and willpower and gave them life as well. This, these values are life and death, even though they're not water, food, warmth, security in that sense, they are life or death in many senses. Lots of people in retirement homes will hang in for the birth of a grandchild and die the next day. Their value for family is so powerful, it keeps them alive for a week or three longer until the birth of that grandchild. So I'm realizing, yeah, I'm on the cusp of this, and I'm realizing, oh, my God, the power in this is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Thanks so much for bringing up those examples right there, because there is a powerfulness to values if we dig, if we choose to dig into this stuff Yeah, that we might not even be aware. So thanks for that. Yeah. Hey, Phil, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you and maybe what you would like to provide, what services you'd like to provide. Um, so I'm, I'm um, engaged with this uh, training right now, the gift that I, I talked about, the gender inclusive facilitation training. And it's, it's really becoming a very exciting project. And we're, we're running uh, up in Canada um, on the Internet so it is available to, we've had uh, participants uh, from all over the world now, uh, South Africa, Mexico, United States, Canada. And um, yeah, it's getting very exciting. So um, that's one place that um, uh, people who may be interested in that kind of work 
um, they can get in touch with me um, at my email address. I think it's probably the best. Is that state it or is there some place that I guess? Yeah, state no, it. go ahead and just tell them over there. Over there. So it's it's my name, Phil, P-H-I-L, last name, Lyle, L-Y-A-L-L, 86 at gmail.com. So Phil, Lyle, 86 at gmail.com. And if, yeah, if they're interested in and uh, going further with this uh, conversation or being involved in the gender inclusive facilitation training, that'd be awesome. Give me a shout. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure to hang with you, Phil. Thanks so much for this conversation, for this hour well spent, in my opinion. Hopefully an uh, introduction to hours more well spent uh, because of the nature of the, the hugeness of this, uh, yeah. of this topic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Looking forward, looking forward to it. <laughs> me too. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for spending the last hour of your life listening to another episode of Embrace Growth. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps other people find the podcast. And if you're really brave, go ahead and subscribe. That way you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. This episode was sponsored by Leader Champions. Leader Champions offers online group coaching, which is online. It's a group. You have a professional coach to guide you, and it costs the fraction of what you would pay for one-on-one coaching. Leader Champions also offers one-on-one group coaching to give you and your life and your leadership that edge you need to move forward. New episodes of Embrace Growth are appearing where you listen to your podcast every Monday. That way you get to start off the week in a good way. And until next week, please embrace your own personal growth and help others support others to embrace theirs. Take care.